Yes. No. <laughs> this is design school? So let, let me phrase the question first so that way we actually have a starting point. <laughs> um, well, first off, maybe for the record, how do you pronounce your name? I can't say without laughing now that we've been talking about it. Staten. Staten, not yeah. Staten. No. As if I have belie- believed for years now, Staten Island. No. Nope. It is not Staten Island. Not it like is, Staten Island. It is the other one next door, Staten Island. Yes. I just, I just made that up. Metaphorically. Yeah. Okay, so Brittany Staten from Carazone. Mm-hmm. When did you graduate? Two, technic- 2009. 2009, okay. And you heard from our last podcast, episode two, that Jessica Frangelo nominated you and that she had a question about internships. The um, And you can elaborate on all your internships and stuff that you've done in the past, but she was interested in knowing how the process of doing all of these internships has led you to where you are today to the designer that you are today and did you ever believe back then when you first started were you going to be where you are right now i think it's a little hard for anyone to say that all the steps in which they took was going to lead them to this finite place where i don't really know how anyone can say that they know that all the steps in which they took or all the jobs that they've had in the past were going to lead them to where they are now because if I say that this is the place in where I've ended up, then it means that there's not more to come, which I think that there is a lot more to come within CareZone and in general. I did have a lot of internships, side projects, personal projects, school projects. As I started working after my first design class, I then got an internship of working with the City of Tacoma, the Arts Commission just learning more about artists in general and public art and process behind all of that and what people do in order to fulfill like creative outlets for things. A lot of the side projects that I took on in the beginning and internships were all things that were print related just because that's what I had experience with and knew. But I never quite felt like I was being completely fulfilled by doing those projects. I liked them and I really enjoyed it because I think there's an entire experience upon people when they interact with print from the paper and how the paper feels and then the size of it in relation to the size of your hands and how heavy it is. But with print, it was just never really enough for me. And so I continued to take on more internships and more projects just for the experience of doing something different and something new just to find that moment of that feeling, I guess, of this is what I I want to be doing. This is what I feel like I should be doing. And through (laughs) a very windy path, there was always little inklings of things that I really liked software and I really liked product, but I didn't really know it until I jumped just completely in. There were some small things that I just started doing with designing websites and then working with people who visual design wasn't on the forefront of their mind and so then I felt like the next logical step for me was to learn how to code so in those special little delightful pieces that I thought added so much to the design I would just learn how to do it myself and so I started building prototypes and doing some stuff with JavaScript and CSS and for me all the fun stuff. 
And do you do any print design anymore? No, I don't. I made, well, I made a poster in relation to something we were doing at CareZone, but that was probably over a year and a half ago, over mm. a year ago. And, and what's your official title at CareZone? Visual designer. Visual designer, not product or program designer. No, but I think that visual design encompasses a lot of things. Like my title, yes, is visual design, but I'm still in all the product meetings. I'm involved with our interaction process and our interaction design. I work very closely with our two interaction designers while they're in the very beginning of the process, in the middle and the end, because I think that great visual design can come out of wholeheartedly understanding what the UX goals are and what the company goals are. And some of those things can help to be fulfilled by just visual design and just consistency. Do you find that other um, companies that either that you've worked for that you know of use visual designers in that same way, uh, you know, at the beginning and not as a afterthought? No? No, I don't think so. I think that's where... Uh, I really love CareZone in that aspect because I do think that from the top down design is a very important aspect of our company and we understand how much it can influence a product on both ends. It's so different working in product versus like print design because I used to be so much on to the perfection side of things where sometimes it would be almost debilitating to where I'm like, I just can't send this to the printer yet because I just don't feel like it's perfect. But now with software, it's just so different. There's always that what what's next, what's the V next. And so in order to just iterate and do things quicker, there's sometimes where visual design especially can just sometimes take a back seat because... We want to know if it's going to work or if people will use it first versus it could look absolutely beautiful and be fantastic, but then no one no one has any interest in it and they won't use it. There's a lot of apps in the App Store where I think that visually they're just so pretty and delightful and small little things in there, but then I download them and then I never use them. Why is that? Because I have no real... I have no real use for them, really. I appreciate how much like hard work and craft went into it, but and so some of them I'll try and use it for like a week to do certain things, but for me it's just can't do it. I'm very similar. I, I listen to a, a podcast about Android apps, and I'll download the apps, test them out, but usually I just delete them after a while, um, and I just go back to my core basic components of of what I use and and that's that unless it's fulfilling like a specific need in your life of something that you need or that you want it's just something that's just there and you'll think about it when you think about it but other than that it's not it's not the one where when you wake up in the morning or while you're having coffee you do something with the app or write in it Mm -hmm. there's a couple apps that I I do think are beautiful and I do use all the time. What are some of the apps that you like using that are beautiful? Day one for me has always been one of my favorites. I started using it when it first came out because I was also into this crazy form of just data tracking of myself and different things because I had all these 
grand plans of some side projects that I wanted to do with the information from back when I was in school. And so I got in the habit of just writing down something every single day. And day one makes it really easy to do that. And now they've added all sorts of features where you can like tag your entries and then categorize them and search. But I just use it to record. And do you still use it? Yeah, I do. I have, I don't even want to know how many entries are in there. It gives you the statistics of it. And now with iOS 8, they have it where you can add it to your today. But I'm not so interested in the past, even though I still continue to record things. I, I don't tend to go back and look at things that I wrote even just a month ago. Really? No. It's important, I guess, at the, that moment in time. But I, now I just do it just to... Just because it's a habit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you or have you done any of those projects that you talked about that you were going to use the data for? No, because I never really had the feeling that I knew what I wanted to do with it. Because it's transformed now. It used to be where I wanted to do this big elaborate print type piece. I just don't really do anything in print anymore. I then started to think like when I started making websites that I was going to design and code a website that had something relating to that information, but then it just never really felt right, so I've just never done it. I might do it in the future, but... Now, you had said um, projects, plural. Are there other ones that you've done with any of the data or um, any side projects since you've... With that information in general? Or with that information or with any um, projects that you've had in the back of your mind since you've graduated? No. <laughs> I feel that I feel your pain, um, and I'm also chuckling kind of with you because I'm the exact same way. It's once I had great plans after grad school of doing this and doing that, and I got one, maybe two, and you know it's ten years now out of grad school, and I still have books that I read because one day I'm going to do that one project. Yeah, it's an interesting feeling after graduation and even still now. Like, I feel like I've just been working and doing design for so long, even though people might say that it doesn't, it's not really, because graduating in 09 and starting doing design stuff for, I was working full-time when I was doing Capstone Mm -hmm. that whole last year, just because I wanted more time, but even just designing from 2006 because I wasn't originally a design major before that but designing since then I feel like there's been so many projects of different random things that I've worked on that I just never wanted to take the time to work on projects myself of about myself or for myself because then I felt like I knew who I was and I still don't know if I know exactly who I am but I know what I like and what I don't like in terms of what I want to be doing every day, like day to day. So. And what do you like to do every day, day to day? Making something tangible that people can use Mm -hmm. that has an effect on their process and their life Mm -hmm. of recording information. And what don't you want to do every day, day to day? Use paragraph styles. <laughs> <laughs> was it 2006 
when we met? I think so, because that's when I transferred to PLU. Was 2006? Yeah, 2006. And you were a nursing major? or You wanted, I to, be, was. You wanted to be a nursing I major. I transferred to PLU to start the nursing program in the spring. And then I figured I would just, in the fall, just take the other requirements, which is one religion class. And then I had some free time, and so I decided, I'm like, you know, I've never made a time to do art because I was always in music in high school and then in college. In um, When I went to community college, I took one art appreciation class, and I'm like, this is so much fun. And in that class, right out of high school, he had told me, you know, you should really become a designer. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> and all it was was we had this project where we had to do – it was like on the psychology of color and it was a collage about different ways that about color and I after I did that project I I guess I was the only one in the class that like took it extra serious <laughs> and so whatever it was that I turned in he had said you know I know that you're doing nursing right now and taking all those classes but you should become a designer I'm like that's silly I don't know what you're talking about and lo and behold yeah, and then I went to PLU, and I'm like, I have some extra free time. I'm going to take a drawing class. And I, after I took that drawing class, I was even just a couple weeks in, and I called my parents, and I'm like, I'm not going to be a nurse anymore. I'm going to be an artist. <laughs> and what did your parents say to that? They were like, okay, that's because I was so much less stressed, and I've always wanted to do it. I just never took the time to. It was always a hobby for me. I always thought that art was kind of like a hobby. But then I thought I wanted to be a ceramics major because I loved ceramic and making things with my hands. But then I took a design class and then I was like, you know, if I'm going to do something crazy, I might pick the more practical route instead of ceramics. So then I picked design. Do you want to um, tell me how you remember our first encounter together? I don't really remember. I know that I came to you because I was having an interview with your wife for my internship at the Arts Commission, and I wasn't sure exactly what I should take with me to my interview because I hadn't even had you as a teacher. I had somebody else, so I didn't really even know you at all, but then Jackie told me that I should talk to you, and I was like, okay. I feel like there is... um... There's a bit of that story. What I remember was your um, indecisiveness and your timidness of not really answering any of the questions and being a bit shy about talking about anything. Yeah, I feel like I've kind of come over that. Yeah. (laughs) I I almost really want our conversation today to to be a bit about that because... um, One of the things that, if you remember what Jessica was talking about in her interview, was how much she grew in just that little time working with you, and that I had pushed her a lot to apply for that internship. And I think I may have told you this, uh, and I know I finally have told her this, is that one of the things that I found important about her working with you was that she reminded me a lot of you and that she has very similar characteristics, that there was talent there, but there was really no... No uh, gumption. No gumption, yeah. And I finally told her, I said, whatever you do, if Brittany pushes you, ask for more. 
you know, keep pushing, keep being pushed um, because you too had a, a very long road of being not, not necessarily pushed, but um, encouraged and, and you never settled and you no. always wanted more. Yes. And that turned you into someone um, very unique, I think. Yeah, it was one of, I kind of, I feel like recognized in myself that that was the one piece that was holding me back from all these things that I wanted and that I wanted to achieve. And if I didn't work on it, then I felt like I wasn't really going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't really something that I could be complain about my situation or even to say that I wish that it was different if I wasn't actively trying to do something different myself. When do you think there was that, or was there ever that snap and you were now the Brittany you are today? We went from the timid, I don't know, as the main answer to every question to really vocalizing what you believed to be the answer. Yeah, I don't really find myself saying I don't know anymore. I feel like now I'm, I, I have opinions. Many of them. (laughs) I think it's been multiple years where that it just it I don't think there was a snap moment. It was more gradual. But then with that, I gained more and more confidence that it was okay to have strong opinions, not really just opinions, but point of view, a strong point of view in design and what you think that users experience should be or strong opinion so I'd mostly say that it, it's been gradual but there has been a turning point and I think the biggest turning point was maybe even just a year after I graduated when I started just doing a lot of freelance work because when you work with and only with yourself you have to have a point of view when people are coming to you and asking you I want to design this booklet and you're to help me with this and to come up with something so what do we do and you can't look at them after they've hired you to do something be like I don't know what do you want to do well isn't that why you're here do you feel like you're an expert these days in a lot of different things yes just with experience there are a lot of things that I feel like I know really well and then some things that I feel like you're constantly still learning. You're always going to continue to still learn. And I think if you're not, then that's a disservice to yourself. So I try and push myself to go into new experiences and meet new people because those make me really uncomfortable. But I find that I tend to grow the most the more extremely uncomfortable things that I can say that I've accomplished. So with the whole thing about being timid and shy, part of that was achieving more and doing more and feeling more confident in design and work but then also just personal experiences going out and doing things that I normally would never do because people are stressful I don't really like meeting new people but I've gotten so much better at it and now I just love to go and do new things and to go new places and to travel um your job with Carazone allows you to really uh, travel and do different things in different cities. Do you find that you're a different designer in San Francisco than you are here in the Seattle area? Oh, absolutely. And I've talked to some people at work about that. When I go down to San Francisco, I feel like I'm in a completely different mindset than I am in Seattle. And it's so fascinating to see the work that I work on when I'm in San Francisco for when I'm in Seattle. Because even when I go down there for a couple days, I have like a huge list of things that I know I need to work on and and get done. But 
I'll pick a different set of things to do while I'm down there just because it just feels different. Well, and our Android designers are down there. Not our Android designers. Our Android developers are down there. So it makes it so much easier to work on things and iterate quicker with them in person. Going back to the expert idea, I do consider you an expert. Um, and one thing that I consider you an expert on is the uh, old JP. There's a oh, phrase yes. that you constantly remind me of as I... Uh, when I see you or when you ask me about my classes and do you remember or can you allude to the phrase or the uh, the mentality of the old JP I'm not sure what the phrase that I normally because I just saw you in your near element the other day <laughs> and there was did I say it's the mean JP yes yeah which needs to come back <laughs> and why does it need to come back because the old JP had such high expectations for students that it made you want to achieve more, for sure. And I think that's an important mentality to have, especially as a relationship with your students, because it made all of us work harder and to try and achieve more because there was nothing that you could do to have you satisfied with something like you'd show me like JP this is this project that I've been working on for months like what do you think I'm so happy with it it's fantastic and you're like it's okay and then you would really have <laughs> nothing else to say and it's like all right well that was great that was three months of nothing done it's just so interesting to me the difference between my experience at PLU and with you in teaching and then hearing Jessica's experience or even my friend Holly because they each had a different version of JP where some of the things it's just I can't picture that I don't know what that was like like, like what expectations of like when you turn a project in like even just the other day JP I lost my mat board I don't know what happened to it okay well if you come back at two o'clock I'll cut you some more before be like sorry yeah. go figure it out yeah, yeah, I definitely. Um, it better be the perfect that, size because I'll measure it. As soon as I had said that, I knew that that was not the Britney's version of JP that she remembered. Yeah, and I did nothing to kind of reprimand or to remind that student of the importance of holding on to their equipment and materials and. Um, that there are no second chances. Yeah, you had very high expectations of us, which was nice because it also gave us very high expectations of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the students these days um, don't have high expectations? My interaction with students is limited. Well, you, you were in my class last year, for Correct. instance. Yes, um, which I hear did not go over very well. Well, I think it's uh, a difference of that you represented the old JP. Oh. And you remember. That was fascinating. When you had me come in to look over, they were designing, just wireframing out. Most of them were all working on personal websites. And it was just so interesting that I felt like in the critique, I was representing the old JP and then you were representing essentially the new JP, which was the very like the the softer side. It's mm -hmm. okay. You can take some more time. And I'm like, why didn't you do this and this and this and this? Like, did you think of this? No. Did you think of this? No. Have you thought through this? No. Yeah. 
and I think that that was something that they weren't used to seeing. And so that's probably what you're feeling is the, it didn't go over well. It, I think it went over fine. It was a, wow, I have a lot to learn from their perspective, you know. Yeah, because even from and out of the corner of my eye as I'm talking to one student, I see a couple students on the other side of the room that just open up a notebook, grab out just even just line three whole paper and they're just starting over doing things. And it's like, well, shouldn't that have already been done by the time you got here? But I think from some of the questions that I was asking were not ones that people had thought about yet. But that happens to me all the time. I feel like I think of things in strange different ways and that's my strongest asset is a lot of times just common sense. One of the things that I find interesting is that um, what that represented, this idea that students were opening up their books and starting over again, was that they they did not want to be wrong. That is something that I don't know how to curtail myself encouraging students that this is a space to learn from mistakes. I've tried a lot this semester to to encourage, especially the 300 level students with the Matrix Project, to say this is not just about getting the A. This is about finding why this is good and moving forward. I think I did it differently when you were in school. I demanded even more and pushed you all to never accept that the answer, the final answer, was the right answer. Fair enough to say, do you think? I think that's fair enough, yes. Yeah. There is one project that I feel like you have worked on that um, might be interesting to talk about, and that is your um, your project with Holly Pikas and Pixels. Pixels and Pikas? Pikas and Pixels. Pikas and Pixels, which is an awesome URL, by the way. Yes. There was a lot of brainstorming to figure out that one URL. Yeah. If you ever get rid of it, let me know. I'll buy it for a million dollars. <laughs> Revenue model. Yeah. Do you guys still work on that together? You know, it's one of those things that is always available for us to do. By no means is it our main priority project. Pikes and Pixels kind of formed from when Holly and I were working together and just wanting to have a little bit of a creative outlet to put down different things that we were working on outside of work, doing consulting and then resources and that type of thing. It's changed a lot. How do you um, stay creative or how do you find a way to hold on to your creativity outside of your work? I feel like all of my creativity, even in things I do outside of work, always ends up relating back to work. For me, I've always liked building things with my hands. It's one of those, it's probably why I wanted to be a ceramics major instead of design. Um, Besides the glaze chemistry stuff, that was just super fascinating to me because with loving science, I just wanted to make new things all the time. But for me now, the way that I do creative things outside of work is I build a lot of stuff out of Lego, to be honest. I find when I have a large design problem at work, it really benefits me a lot to let my mind completely wander because when I let my mind wander is when I think it gets in that happy place of being distracted, but then also half of my mind is focused on what I'm actually doing in front of me and then the other half of my mind is thinking about problems that 
I've been trying to solve at work. So there was one day where I just wanted to make something. I watercolor paint. I do a lot of those types of things. But I, I wanted that feeling of building something. And doing ceramics in your living room is not that practical. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go build a puzzle. But then puzzles are so expensive. And it's just ridiculous. I guess I was just trying to get away from more things made of paper. And so then I went to plastic, which is even stranger, I guess. But then I went to the Lego store and I saw this town hall building. It's part of their modular building series. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build that because I love 3D. I like 3D objects. And so I just took it home and I think I probably worked on it until it was completely done, which is an embarrassing long number of hours. And now I just continue to do more. I'm working on trying to build my own creation so that's what I work on in terms of not I wanted something where I'm not working on the computer and with work as well I started doing incorporating different things with watercolor and paint and so it kind of took away that fun aspect of painting for me because I was also doing it relating it to design and then it ended up in the computer as well and so I just wanted something that was not looking at the computer screen whatsoever and then I just kind of fell into Lego and just really enjoyed it. Do you ever build stuff at work uh, with Legos? I've thought about it like because I tend to um, sketch like during meetings or doodle on things. My brain tends to work best when it's doing two things at the same exact time. <laughs> multitasking. <laughs> but related multitasking. Building things with Lego to me is the equivalent of that feeling when you're driving home from work if you have a drive that takes more than a couple minutes where it's it's so ingrained in your brain that you just go on autopilot when you're driving you just get random ideas of things or you'll think of something that you couldn't remember earlier that day and so building stuff for me is kind of that same feeling because I'm looking at instructions and looking for the different pieces and seeing that this is six and five and then it just gives me a, a time to just kind of zone out mm-hmm and allow your brain to maybe start uh, making new connections or yeah, creating sure. new things. Yeah, I, I'm definitely the same way. Um, I still have all of my old Legos from when I was a little kid. And uh, every once in a while with my um, nephews, I would pull them out because they were got into Legos. But I found it very um, therapeutic, not so much to build anymore, but to organize them all. So now that my daughter's six, going on seven, her, her idea of play with Legos is to build the thing. My idea of playing with her with Legos is to organize everything for her. And it becomes very, you know, very much therapeutic where maybe I'm working on a project or something or I need to develop something for a class or what have you. And by the end, I'll, I'll have a little bit more headway in going into that. So, yeah, I, I definitely am with you there, Brittany. <laughs> That's very funny. Legos. I never thought that. Yeah. Uh, that you did Legos before. It's recent. Within the last year, maybe. So, creativity, Legos, and um, what, what are some other things that you've enjoyed now that you've been out of school for eight years? 2008 for six years yeah but it feels like so much longer and it was mm -hmm. probably because I was working almost full-time 
especially the entire last year because yeah. I was only taking one class. So for your last project, your capstone project, you decided to kind of fall off the face of the earth and I did and um, work on your capstone all by yourself. Yeah, and I think part of that too, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And you did do it. Yeah, and I think it was it came out to be successful. Very much so. Some people still talk about it. You had such high quality that people remember that. When you asked me earlier about the the tipping point or the turning point of being more direct, I would say that my capstone was probably that for me because I had never, I don't let people in to who I am or my personality. I, I tend to be very guarded in the past and my capstone was just the opposite of all those things because in so many different art classes they are like let's do a self-portrait let's do something about yourself and I was so uncomfortable with that that I just was this is ridiculous and so my whole capstone ended up coming out of you asked us to do a project in one of our design classes about something that related to ourselves in a self-portrait and so in my own head to kind of be okay with that and presenting myself to other people that I don't know, that I don't know well. I, at the time, feel like I was maybe making it into a little bit of a joke. I just was trying to find a way in which I could talk about my personality and myself in a way that I was comfortable with. And to do that was to use a completely different knowledge domain that people don't use when talking about people and then apply it to myself. Because I, I really love museums and natural history and so I thought okay well if you're going to make me talk about myself well then I'll just use the knowledge domain of animals and I'll just apply it to me and so it's it it is about me and I am talking about me but in a completely different way in a way that I can be okay with that other people that don't know me are reading it yeah there, there was a lot of hidden gems that if people knew you or got to know you better, that it would make a lot of sense. But it was one of those things, and I think very much so, like any field guide book on yeah. an animal or, or some type of creature, that it's enough information to, to understand, but if you know more about the creature, you'll understand it even better. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of surface level information that I put in there that if you don't know me, then it's just a fact. If you do know me and have <laughs> been around me or experienced me in person, then I guess those things have some d- deeper meaning. Um, but someone who has never met me before or didn't know me, because we had a lot of people that came into the gallery, and it'd be so awkward when I would be in there and I'd see some people reading it. And then like just observing them just laughing out loud, because if someone doesn't know me whatsoever, then I think they just thought it was funny but most of it was accurately pretty true yeah do you ever feel like you can go back to a project like that and do it differently and uh, learn from your life experiences and come up with something even greater I think so I've thought about that that's why I started recording so much stuff in day one a couple years ago because I thought that I would do another similar type project um, I just haven't done it because it's one of those things. I, I don't know the people who 
love to do self-portraits is baffling to me because it's letting in so many people about something of yourself that I don't know I feel like this is like me needing a therapist <laughs> now how does that feel Brittany? <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you see yourself as some sort of expert in um in understanding design um tips uh insights knowledge to students that would be listening probably i have to be careful i feel like sometimes when i talk to jessica because she'll go and write down things that i say <laughs> which is interesting to me what why is that i've never really considered myself such a quotable person I've always wanted a book of quotes that I've said over well, the Well, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> and why, why do you say that? Because I'm just being myself. And I, I found over the years that my thought process and the way I think about things is seems to be completely different than those around me, which is my strongest asset. Yeah. I would say so. I think one of the things that makes you such an amazing designer is that you're both analytical um, which is probably your science side speaking. And you're also um, very passionate in that you may not show it or wear it on your sleeve like other artists do, but you are thinking deeply about it. And it's, um, it's an important aspect to have. I would say that's accurate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just because I don't tend to show emotion about certain things, it doesn't mean that I'm not thoroughly thinking about it. A lot of times it's just, it's my internal process of thinking things through and being analytical and sometimes it just takes me a little while to comprehend things, but to just understand, I guess. And in the future, where do you see yourself moving from here? A subset of the same thing that I'm doing now continuing to solve certain human problems and how we can combat that with technology. Interesting. You said human problems. Yeah, like life problems. With CareZone, it's just all about the circle, the care circle of people. Mm -hmm. And what is the care circle? Every person is going to end up having to take care of another person at some point in their life, whether it's a a child or a parent, an aging parent. And there's usually a large support system around that and how you can keep them all coordinated and talking to each other about the care of that individual is it's a tough problem to have. And that's something that we're working on at CareZone. Mm -hmm. And even with self-care of people going through different health journeys, helping them to manage their medications to remember if they've taken something or just to even have a complete list. So when they go to the ER or to the doctor or uh, that they have a complete, a current list with them. Because mm -hmm. with all things medical related, having the most up-to-date information is tricky. Yeah. So second to last question, you know, you are episode three. Yes. And you were nominated by episode two. Unfortunately. Who should be episode four? Someone very different from myself and the other people that you have interviewed would be my friend Paige Polly. She is a designer but did not go to design school. And we had worked together and built some fantastic code prototypes. 
Um, I literally see a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And what should be the question, the first question that we should start the conversation with Paige about? Because she has a very different background than those that you have interviewed. She did not go to design school, and she currently teaches design to high schoolers. Oh. And mm-hmm. she also is an instructor for Girl Develop It, where she's teaching other women how to code. And I've gone and been her TA in the class before, and it's just so much fun. And I would ask her how she found design. How she found design. I like that. Because I don't, I don't remember. I've really only, she's such a designer to me, like in my heart of hearts and in her heart of hearts that I can't really picture her anything other than a designer. She has many tricks. You make her sound like a superhero. She is a superhero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Like the same age. I think I'm older than she is. Well, that's okay. I mean, I can, I see you as my superhero. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brittany, for uh, speaking with me. And yes. Um. One of the uh, last questions that I usually ask people is, um, what would you want to remember? What would you want the Brittany five years from now to remember that you find important right now? You know, is it a life lesson? Is it something that you do on a regular basis? Is there in 24 words or less? <laughs> For me, I it would just have to be to slow down and to think. No, I just don't even know. I'm See, this is the problem of me not being a quotable person. I don't even have anything that I would want to quote to tell myself. Wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah.